0: You're listening to a Comics XF podcast. WMQA. Hello, and welcome to WMQA, the Comics XF interview podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Lazarowitz. And this week's guests are here to celebrate five years of Ahoy Comics Tom Pyre and Stuart Moore. Welcome. Thank you. Hey. Thanks. So uh, we're recording this the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, what, what does an Ahoy Comics Thanksgiving look like? <laughs> well, Ahoy, there's probably no relatives.
1: Uh, it's just a little, probably maybe a one room or a studio apartment, maybe a, a swan set <laughs> turkey dinner out of the freezer. Uh Maybe football on a black and white TV, black and white portable TV. And it's so great.
2: So like a lot of our books, it's grim, but funny. Is that what you're trying yeah. to say?
1: Yeah, grim, but funny.
0: funny. <laughs> <laughs> kind of sad in spots, but yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so like most Thanksgivings, only a smaller scale. Got it. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> More intimate. Yeah.
1: But the tree is already up, so. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Nothing
0: wrong with that. <laughs> So uh, you're you're here to talk about the fifth anniversary of Ahoy Comics and also your respective new books, uh, The Wrong Earth, We Could Be Heroes, and Captain Ginger, The Last Feeder. Uh, let's tackle them one at a time, uh,
3: starting with The Wrong Earth. Matt, take us into the multiverse mm. with Dragonfly Man, Dragonfly, and the rest of the masked crime fighters trapped elsewhere in the multiverse. Earth Alpha's police, government, and banks are taken over by dastardly villains. New heroes emerge, but can they prevail? So that's Uh, one down?
1: That says everything. I mean, (laughs) that's what it's about. That's what it's about. We get to do an issue of the wrong Earth without the uh, heroes, Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man, who come from two separate Earths and have been sort of bouncing around Earths ever since. But they were trapped on each other's.
0: And then they they got together. Uh, And then the other book is, uh, again, Captain Ginger. Uh, Matt, why don't you rip open a bag of MRE Meow Mix?
3: (laughs) Captain Ginger and his crew find themselves scattered across a thousand light years, facing the twin mysteries of the captain's long-missing father and the final fate of the human race.
2: Yeah, that was um, th- this was a kind of a fun one. It's a it's a two part story and it's sort of um, conceived as a capper to the first group of Captain Ginger stories. But it's a, it's also a standalone adventure. And I did want to get into a little bit to the uh, of the mystery of his father, because he's the only ginger cat aboard this um, this uh, basically Star Trek slash Battlestar Galactica style ship um, that uh, that is crewed entirely by cats. And uh, this is all since the human race died out, um, left these kind of enhanced experimental cats to uh, to take over. Um, so, uh, so this, yeah, this kind of gets to the heart of uh, of um, what the series is about. And uh, it's a like like all of Captain Ginger. It's about it's kind of about survival, and it's kind of about uh, what comes next after the worst things
3: possible happen. And like Thanksgiving, Captain Ginger has the world's worst family. <laughs>
2: yes he does he has a quite a bad family that is true
0: man we're bringing up a lot of thanksgiving trauma this week uh yeah we're really this
2: is we're not uh, we're not bringing them up are we we're gonna have to <laughs> we're gonna have to work
0: it's a, it's a it's a rough holiday but uh Stuart, if i re- if i'm reading correctly next year is the 10th anniversary of you writing the basic premise for captain ginger on a post-it note somewhere yes
2: uh, I, I don't know it was a post-it note. I, I, um, I think, I, I think what I did was I, I had this idea. Yeah. I, I sort of probably scribbled it in the, I probably scribbled it on my phone in the middle of the night or something. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, and what, all it said was cats in space, June Brigman, um, because I'd worked <laughs> with her before and, uh, I knew she uh I knew how much she loved drawing cats and how incredibly great she was at it. Um, and, uh, and I just, she's just a great, she's a great person too. She's just wonderful to work with. Um, so yeah, that was, and we, we played with it a bit. We did some samples ourselves. June played around with the idea of coloring it herself, um, decided she couldn't really do it in the, in, you know, on a reasonable time timeframe. Um, but uh, we, uh, we had already put together some sample material when Ahoy came along. Um, so yeah, it didn't, it didn't feel like five years in there, but I guess, you know, we were all busy with other things and we were just sort of working on it on the side.
0: So each of you is doing a two, uh, you know, tight two issues based on your original Ahoy concepts, and and so at you know at first Blush I was like wow just two, but then I was like, no, this is how comics used to be, tightly plotted, <laughs> briskly moving, standalone adventures, you know, two parters at the most because not everything was written for a trade paperback, uh, but regardless, you know, how, how did you how did you both land on yeah, you know, two and out.
2: I think I started it off. I, I think I, I had the idea. I actually had the idea of doing a 48 page one shot with Captain Ginger and we wound up splitting it in half basically for publishing reasons. Um, and it split very naturally right down the middle. It was, it was nice. Um, but I think I, I had that idea. And then we started talking about the uh, the fifth anniversary and you were sort of gearing up to do the next series of wrong earths and realize these, this, this two-parter would split off nicely as his own thing, something like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It was
2: just it—it felt—it felt
1: right to just do a, a few quick hits for the anniversary. Anniversaries don't last forever, you know. <laughs> and um, uh, uh, and we got we have a couple more things too. We've got um, acid chimp versus business dog, which <laughs> is uh, uh, I couldn't even begin to explain. But uh, it's, it feels it's actually, it feels pretty on the tip on the tip. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I guess I guess I can begin to explain it. Acid Chimp is from our series, My Bad, written by Bryce Singman and Mark Russell, and drawn by Steve Pugh and Peter Krause. And Acid Chimp is a chimp who really gets a lot of joy out of splashing acid, particularly on people, and it's corrosive acid, and it really hurts. But he's such a sweet, innocent, smiling little chimp, you almost don't mind. And then um, over in uh, over in uh, uh, Billionaire Island, Mark Russell and Steve Pugh, There's a there's a there's a dog named Business Dog who is the wealthiest being on the planet, and uh, mo- most financial decisions come from this dog who has no idea what he's doing. But but uh, basically, a lot of big decisions are made based on which labeled bowl he chooses to eat out of and um he's worth trillions and trillions and um very powerful and so what's going to happen when acid chimp meets business dog we all want to know and uh, the whole creative team of both books is working on this and it's wonderful
3: so, so business dog the mm-hmm. most mark russell concept ever or the <laughs> ultimate mark russell concept ever i think jesus christ
2: jesus christ and a superhero is pretty mark russell but uh but yes, I think it,
1: business I, dog is that i think you're right about business dog actually it is the mark russell concept.
0: <laughs> I, I i am curious you know which came first you know did mark come to you and say hey, I want to mash these two things together? Or did you guys go to Mark and say, hey, fifth anniversary is coming up. Take your two weirdo animals from your two comics and mash them together.
1: It was the latter, I'm afraid. Yes.
2: <laughs> it, was, it was crass corporate commercialism. It was yes. crass yes.
0: corporate commercialism.
1: Mark <laughs> said, I don't want to do this. And we're like, you have to. So know. he said, but it's going to be terrible. And then we said, we don't care
2: okay it's only one issue how bad
1: can it be how bad can it be so uh Mark just uh he just finished uh, the lettering script for it and he said this he just sent me a note saying that this is uh one of the strangest crossovers of all time <laughs> and if he says so I think so the, the
0: the man wrote Porky pig Lex Luthor. I mean it's it's yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. this one creeped him out.
3: It has a very that story has a very Silver Age DC sort of vibe where the cover would be given to the writer and it's like, okay, this is the cover, make the story. Plus, it has a monkey on the cover, which is also very Silver Age DC. Yeah,
2: that's That's true. That's true.
1: That's true. It's just, uh, it's in our genes. The,
0: but the cost I'll of Carmine you know, Infantino hangs over this
1: uh, I don't <laughs> you know that practice continues at, at the larger companies, um, showing the writer the cover.
2: It uh, does. <laughs> yes, it
1: does. I've I've I've, uh, I've talked to writers there in the middle of of working stories out from covers. <laughs> no.
3: Things never change.
2: Not
1: at Ahoy, though. We don't do that.
3: Yeah
2: no although you did uh, you did you did um go for a particular silver age look to the logo i remember right
1: Didn't oh it was you? pre-silver age it was like um i the <laughs> wonderful logo is designed by todd klein who's the greatest and uh uh just for inspiration i sent him the logo to uh the adventures of dean martin and jerry lewis
0: published by <laughs> dc comics
1: from the early oh, you know he- and then things got sad. So then it just became Jerry Lewis comics. But um, I sent him that logo and just, just to see if it would spark anything. And it did. And um, he likes working with us because, uh, because uh, we know about all this crap he knows about.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh, is there, is there a benefit to, to being your own boss and publishing your own series where you don't feel a pressure to constantly be churning out new wrong earth or new captain ginger and you can come back to it when inspiration strikes certainly but in the meantime you can just make mark russell do do another book
1: well i like making mark do things um but yeah i mean it's great i I would do more it's not like i ever not don't want to do the wrong earth but i i understand that um Uh, Jamal has other things he wants to do and he's got a right to do them and sometimes I have to wait. Mm -hmm. He's always worth waiting
3: for. What was it like a little bit ago there were a series of wrong earth one shots from other creators. What was it like letting those other creators play in your sandbox?
1: I loved that. Uh, There were writers who made choices I wouldn't have made and I kind of really liked that. It had kind of a Bob Haney quality, if you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and Stewart did a beautiful one.
2: Oh, thank you. I found um, I found Mark Russell's one shot in that run the grimmest thing he'd ever written. <laughs> yeah, it really I was. I, that, I think I said that to him once, and he said, "Well, that was pretty much my mindset in that part of 2020." You know, yeah, it was was a lot
1: of people. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: was that was that the one where there, the villain was like a prince analog? No, no that that's Stuart's. That's fine,
1: oh,
3: actually. oh, okay. Okay. I think yeah. Mark Marx was the one where it was I I if I'm remembering right, it's Dragonfly. It, it's basically Dragonfly is like awful corporate raider villain. It was um the
1: on both earths uh Campy Earth Alpha and Gritty Earth Omega. And Dragon, they're on their correct earth for this story. And in both the versions of their cities, they're involved in financing a, an athletic stadium, which is really corrupt. And um, I got a letter about it that I always felt bad about not answering, but it arrived during the pandemic. So a lot of stuff didn't get done. Mm. But this letter was so sincere and they were really kind of, uh, they were complaining because the campy earth alpha Richard Fame, Dragonfly Man, was as corrupt <laughs> in this story as as uh, the gritty Earth Omega Dragonfly, Richard Fame. That he, that he was equally corrupt, and that didn't seem right. And I thought it was a a story about you know, capitalism just isn't going to work anywhere. <laughs> it's always going to turn you into this, no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. But um, I could also see. I could also see the point, and that's what got me thinking. You know, Bob Haney—that's fine. <laughs> it <laughs> I mean, doesn't if, if Mark's Dragonfly Man is not exactly mine. That's terrific. I don't care.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I used a whole separate one, and I decided to split the difference between the time periods because I wanted—I wanted to play off the 1980s sort mm-hmm. of. Uh, um, well, we we try not to use the word Batman around here too much, but uh, sure. uh, I'm, the, uh... I'm sorry,
1: I'm not familiar.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a it's this
3: thing that used to be on HBO Max but is now on Netflix, I think is what the, the, the uh, <laughs> very yeah. obscure character. I don't at all host another <laughs> podcast entirely about that character. No, not at all. Nope. No. Yeah.
2: But I like the um, you know, I I I I I I really like those, um I really like those first especially that first um uh Tim Burton and uh Michael Keaton film. And I wanted mm-hmm. to play off that a bit.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You did. Yeah,
1: that's what you did <laughs> with Fred Harper's uh, expert uh, collaboration.
2: He did a really nice job on that. He colored it himself. Um, and uh, we went on to do a we did a science fiction series called Highball last year. Um, mm-hmm. After that, the two of us, um, which was very different. <laughs> um, but uh, but he uh, on, uh, on the wrong earth, um, purple. He had time to do the whole thing himself, and it really—I uh, I think it really—I think it really, he really—he really pulled it off. It really came out nice.
0: His art has such a, a fever dream quality, especially when he starts cutting loose. I loved his stuff on uh, Snelson, especially. Yeah, yeah. great,
1: really yeah. Great. And yeah, yeah. he's—he has the—he has the naturalism down perfectly, and also the surrealism.
2: It's just, uh, and he draws so well. The uh, yeah, Snelson was uh, Snellson was probably Ahoy's most extreme book in a lot of ways, um, just in terms of content. Um, and uh, it uh, it's, it's it's people haven't seen it. It's it's a uh, um, it's a story of a um, a sort of a '90s stand-up comic trying to make a uh, trying to make a comeback in all the worst possible ways. Um, and he just gets himself canceled. He gets in all kinds of trouble. He says all kinds of stuff that's just awful and it's just full of bad behavior um and it's really it's just a wonderful book it's brilliant just, it is just brent
1: paul constant wrote it yeah
2: paul writes a um paul constant by the way writes a um, wonderful newsletter monthly newsletter that i keep finding books to read out of i just um i just read a book called dr no by percival Everett that he recommended oh uh, yeah
1: yeah is it wonderful yeah, yeah. It's... I just read Trees by Percival Everett.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. He's got so, a, this movie coming out based on his work. Um, American Fiction is based on Erasure. It'll be out soon. Oh, okay. I got to read that. Yeah, I haven't read that either. Anyway, we're just
3: talking about <laughs> Obscure Writers. Never mind. Oh, <laughs> <All> good. <laughs> um, what are the, uh, I can always use something else for my to read. <laughs> cool. uh,
0: yeah, because Matt, you're always caught up. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, One of your other current series is Project Cryptid, uh, an anthology where various creators tell tales of creatures of American myth or urban legend. Uh, How how many of these creatures were new to you, you know, looking at it for the first time?
3: Oh,
1: a lot of them. But Sarah Litz, the editor of the book and she came up with the idea and she assembled it. And it's done a a great job. And um, so uh, it's really not my I don't, sometimes I don't see them till the stories are done. And I'm usually, I'm, it's usually, they find obscure ones that are, that are, uh, that I've completely never heard of.
2: Literally yeah. yesterday, I had to uh, uh, pre-record a, um, uh, 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 a, sort of a presentation of the, of the first volume of Project Cryptid for our book distributor, Simon & Schuster. Mm. And um, I, I just kept... I was trying to describe this thing and I, uh, I got to, I was listing off the, the, the various creatures, the Yeti. um, And I said, there's one about a hodag, whatever that is, you know, and, uh, (laughs) and, uh, but I was very proud of myself because I did not fumble when I had to describe the Chupawawa, uh, which is about, which is a story about a love affair between a Chupacabra and a Chihuahua. (laughs) And the, the Chupawawa is what, is the child i believe that, she results that comes for yes wonderful <laughs> from this wonderful <laughs> union <laughs> no it's a lot of fun it's a, it's it's and it's a she's got a sarah's assembled a really interesting assortment of writers not just from comics but um from prose fiction as well um and and the artists are all from all over too they're from indie comics they're from everywhere yeah,
1: they uh, are they are. I, and it's it's tied up. Uh, it's tied in with the anniversary too. And one of the reasons it's tied up with the anniversary is uh, Stuart put together this this giant project. It's uh, you know, we put prose stories in the back of every Ahoy comic just mm-hmm. to um, just to give ourselves more to do, I guess. But uh, um, Stuart, more for your money. More for your money. More when your money play. more and better. There you go. And better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Stewart masochistically put together this uh 13 part uh series 13 part serial in prose um chapter 1 i think ap- it did appear encrypted i think it did it appeared yes, in it was, encrypted it was one. written by i'm blanking on the name
2: <laughs> grant morrison yeah yeah grant uh, morrison but uh, yes uh, so both of uh, i've worked with in the past and i um i uh and and the nice thing about that too was Grant wrote the very first prose stories that appeared in the back of, of Ahoy in in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just emailed them and said, you know, do you have any interest in doing this? And Grant uh, Grant likes to play. You know, he likes he likes experiments. He likes to try different things. And he, and um, and they like the heat. They goes by they now. Um, they um they like the idea of kicking this whole thing off and seeing what people did with it. Um, and uh, I sent Grant the whole thing um, when it was done, and they sent back a nice note. But uh, it's a, <laughs> it's a very strange piece of work. It's called the um, the annual cozy detectives club. In partially naked came the corpse! Exclamation um, point. And it's a, it's a, it's just sort of a surreal um, murder mystery. Um, but it goes off in just a lot of directions. Mark Russell wrote a chapter that takes the characters to a Renaissance fair. Um, there's a, some for some reason, somewhere in the middle of the story, um, like meadowlarks, birds keep showing up and getting beheaded, like over and over again. And I don't think it was any one person's plan that this would happen again and again. I think it just sort of, it just sort of worked that way. Um, but honestly, um, yeah, I was, uh, I thought this was going to be an incredible nightmare to put together. And it was actually, I mean, it required some coordination, but everyone delivered on time. Some people delivered their stories really fast. Which is what worried me, because you have a project like that that's supposed to appear in the back of every Ahoy book in the fall. Um, one person screws up, <laughs> and the whole thing is like a it's like a collapsing pile of dominoes. Um, but uh, but it all worked out, and um, I I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't say every loose end is tied up and every little bit of it makes sense, but it does come to a conclusion and it has a sort of a successive series of climaxes that are with a lot of twists and turns. That actually sort of wraps the whole thing up in a very satisfying way. The guy who wrote the conclusion is a British writer named Keck W, um, who does a lot of work for um, uh, 2000 AD, I think, um, and he's written a lot of um, very, very farcical back uh, back feature stories for uh, pro stories for Ahoy as well. Um, and he just he just pulled it all together, and it's a very funny conclusion too. That'll actually be in the second. Uh, issue of the Captain Ginger two part.
1: Dude, I have a question. Yes. Do you think it's important to read those stories in order? <laughs>
2: um, it. Uh, I, I just stopped myself because I was going to say I think it makes more sense if you read them in order, but I don't know how much sense this whole thing makes like it, as a whole. Um, I I think you can I think you can certainly jump in and enjoy some of them. Um, certainly some of them like um. Mark Russell's and Alex Segura's, which is in the first Captain Ginger. Those kind of stand on their own a little more. Um, Torin Grunbeck's probably a little bit too. Um, by the end, um, by the end, the ones that like Hannibal Hedry wrote and I wrote and Keck, they're a little more dependent on everything else. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you can you can jump into it. And I wrote little so recaps. With like
1: chapter five, you should be fine, right?
2: You could do it. And also the um, the first two installments are up on the um, Ahoy website. In, uh, in an article so you can find them there uh, Comicsahoy.com. so so what came
0: first the idea that it would be 13 chapters or X meta chapters or the fact that you were able to just line up that many creators who were game to contribute
2: oh the idea came first because I knew we'd be able to get the um, the we'd be able to get the creators what we tried to do was most of, we salted in a few people we hadn't worked with before like Alex um, and Toran. Um, but, uh, the bulk of the writers are people who have written in many cases, several of these stories, uh, uh, stories for Ahoy already, um, in, the uh, pro stories. Um, so, uh, we had a sort of a, we, we had sort of like, without really intending to develop a little stable of people. Um, and unfortunately I wasn't able to use all of them. Um, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't keep this going forever. Um, but, uh. But um, we did have a lot of people like Kirk Vanderbeek and uh, Carol Lay, and um, uh, uh, I'm I'm actually I'm, oh, Bryce Ingman had done quite a few actually. Um, so uh, and Bryce, I put him up second because um, I knew he was a I knew he was an actor, and I thought he'd get the improv concept of the whole thing a little bit, um, and he did. He really um, Grant's absolutely set the um, the 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 voice of the thing. But Bryce figured out, like, I, I think Bryce was helpful being right there to show people how to how to sort of riff on it after that. Um, I think That was a good thing. But yeah, no, lining up, lining up people was easy. Um, in the end, there were a couple of people I couldn't fit in. Uh, I'd love to do it again, but <laughs> not for a while. <laughs> I, think, I think we'll wait a little bit. Uh,
0: besides besides Bryce, was there a key to sort of deciding the batting order of the whole thing?
2: Well, I uh, I I put myself very late in the in the process because uh, and one of the fun things about this for me is it's um, one of the projects I've done that's um, that combines writing and editing in a way I haven't done before and I really liked that I wanted to be in the mix I've written several of the pro stories myself um, and I wanted to and I deliberately put myself second to last in case the whole thing had run so far off the rails that it needed someone. Who had been obsessively reading all the previous (laughs) installments to course correct it? Um, As it turned out, it it didn't need that, but it did need some wrapping up, and it needed. And I, what I really tried to do was wrap up the main plot and leave um, a big twist and mystery for Keck to do at the end. Um, And what he did then was he took what I gave him, completely doubled around on my plot, changed everything I had done in a way that also worked like, and, um, and came up with the, with the mystery of which character dies basically was what I left. Um, and uh, so the whole thing was, uh, it really wasn't exercise in improv. It was, um, it was very much, uh, you, you look at what you're given um, and, you, uh, and you, you add to it in a way that hopefully twists the whole thing around in a way no one else would have thought of, um, but doesn't directly contradict what's, uh, what's gone before.
3: Love a game of exquisite corpse. It, yes, it just yeah. the 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 DC challenge from the mid eighties. That there, it, I cannot think of a crazier comic I have read, and I've read a lot of crazy comics. I don't and think Grant, I
2: made it all the way through that one. Grant's title, um, "Partially Naked Came the Corpse," is of course a reference to exquisite corpse, but also to um, uh, Tom.
1: What was the name of that? It, that? Uh, Naked Came the Stranger
2: which was a a
1: sort of pot-boiler sex novel in the 70s that was supposed to be written by some... It was like a parody of, like, Jacqueline Suzanne, if you know who I'm talking about, and these these bestsellers of of, uh, um, these gamey novels. So it was supposed to be by this person. It was a made-up name, but it turned out that there were several writers for Newsday, the newspaper, who had just written one chapter after another, trying to, trying to do what Stuart did here. (laughs) And, uh, so Grant is really up on his history of this stuff. So he even refers to that, uh, in the story title.
3: So so circling back to Ahoy as, you know, your anniversary, uh, you know, what's the, the biggest challenge? Of these, these first past five years.
1: Well, it and had to I, be the pandemic. I,
3: I was about to say, and I, I have to imagine the good chance <laughs> that you're going to say the pandemic.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but it had to be. I mean, that's, that's just the truth. We, you know, there were, there were monks without a distributor without open stores. Um, Stewart had to deal with a lot of that in his job.
2: Yeah. On the one hand, it was uh it was a lot. It was nerve wracking. On the other hand, for a lot of it, there just wasn't much you could do. Um, so there, there wasn't a lot. We had no control over the situation. It did lead, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this with other guests, but it really led to um, the return of multiple distributors in the in the comic book industry because everyone, whether they stayed with Diamond or went with someone else, realized it was a bad idea to have one um, one distributor that could for probably good and valid reasons at the time um suddenly interrupt all shipping of your product um that uh it, it was much better to sort of spread yourself around and have a little more control over that um so that led to the rise of lunar and prh getting in um getting in with uh, marvel uh and now idw i think i think boom i can't remember anyway um dark, so that, horse. dark horse so that changed everything um and uh and yeah, I mean, and, and it also, I mean, comics is dealing with some of the same stresses that a lot of businesses are. Um, uh, goods have gone up in price, including printing and paper. Um, we, uh, it's also been this year has been sort of a volatile year for the comic book industry. Um, and I've uh, I, I've been talking with a lot of people at other companies about this, where sales have been yo-yoing up and down a little bit. Like it's not like a collapse. Um, but there's something unstable going on, and it's kind of hard to figure out what it is. Like I've heard theories ranging from, um, uh, ranging from just uh, 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 apparently there was a um, there was a there was a lack of product of it. There wasn't a lot of product uh, solicited early in the year, so that may have caused a sales cr- uh, like a cash crunch with stores later on. Um, but I don't know if that fully explains it. It seems like we're in a little bit of another dip right now, um, uh, just in the last month or so. Um, but I don't, I don't really know why. It's challenging. We have a bit of a, you know, we're not operating month to month. We have a, uh, we have, a, we have enough. Um, we're funded well enough to just to keep going and sort of not interrupt our business when things like that happen. So the pandemic, what we tried to do, um, we uh, we did have a few months where we couldn't ship anything, and I remember one of our priorities. Was to keep the trade paperback scheduled in the fall to coming out on time, and we, we pretty much managed that. I think it it required some accelerated shipping um, once once uh, single issues were shipping again, but we 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 managed to do that. We thought the um we thought it was important to keep the book product coming out in time for the holidays.
3: So you in saying that was that part of what led to the decision to just have uh, the second volume of Captain Ginger come out? I mean. Release what one or two issues in singles and then just a trade for the balance of it yeah that um that was
2: my decision and probably not a good one um the, the uh what basically with the books not shipping to stores captain ginger was in an awkward uh at an awkward point because we don't we had shipped two issues um i didn't Really know if it was a good idea to wait four months, and we didn't know how long it was going to be actually. Um, in order to resume a series, a, a limited series like that, um, so we took the book. Uh, and the sales weren't um weren't high enough that it was really worth waiting. We were afraid we were afraid of a big drop off. So um, so we took that book digital only. I tried to put extras in it. Um, we give away um sort of free first issues of other avoid comics with it. Um but digital comic sales are still just a very small factor in our industry like um they 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 don't amount to much and people really don't want them um i like them <laughs> cuz i have too much paper in the house i uh i i don't uh, i i can't uh i can't buy a whole lot of, i i don't want to buy a whole lot of monthly comics anymore um but uh but it basically meant that in a way i didn't expect it at all the book kind of disappeared like it just vanished off people's radar um So that was the only book we did that with. And we did it specifically because of where it was in the publishing schedule. Um, And if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't have done it. But the trade came out and that's good, you know, and and it's all, it's all. But
1: it was like you said, we had no idea how long. No idea. To to get, we had one book, we were
2: launching, we were launching the book, Ash and Thorn, Mm -hmm. And uh, that book, the first issue had just shipped to Diamond. And it sat in the diamond warehouse for four months. Um, like we didn't, uh, we, we couldn't do anything with it. <laughs> and we had, um, and our publisher, uh, Hart Seeley, we had, uh, had we'd printed up these promotional tea bags because it was a book about old ladies fighting magic. And uh, Hart had this like crate of tea bags and uh, and nothing to do with them. And, you know, tea doesn't really last forever, I don't think. Like it, uh, it kind of gets a little... Uh, stale after a while so uh yeah that was a that was a rough time that was a rough that was a rough few months all around it was very i live in new york city where we were ground zero with the pandemic you know um uh, my wife will remember sitting out in the backyard um it was a and uh she couldn't hear what i was saying because there were so many sirens going by um it was it was it was kind of rough i mean it was i i i'm not complaining personally but uh but yeah, I look back at some uh, a work journal from that time, and I, there's a lot of stuff I had just sort of not forgotten, but just sort of not uh, uh, sort of sort of glossed over in memory somehow. It was kind of, It was so weird.
3: Dan, I'm trying to remember. Was Mariah McCourt our last guest before yes we shut down? Okay, yes. I couldn't remember if she was the last before or the first after, but I nope. knew she was right <laughs>
2: there. And then no one could buy her book, so yeah. Yeah. Magic. <laughs> Magic.
0: <laughs> yeah what a weird time um have there been other moments in the last five years where you've seen what's happened at other publishers and gone well glad that's not me or or maybe you just kind of you know hooked your finger on your shirt collar and made that cartoon gulping sound
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes
1: yeah i don't pay uh, a lot of attention to other publishers but i think you do stewart
2: I do. I don't want to single anybody out. But yeah, um, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, there are, and I've, I've had projects with other publishers too. So, um, yeah, I try to, I try to keep up with the industry. Um, A lot of publishers, like a lot of people in this, in this industry, are um, undercapitalized. And it's been, it has been just a rough few years. And when the, um, when sales dipped the way they did early in the year, actually more, was late last year. Yeah. Now I'm getting mixed up. I think it was late last year. Um, some companies just have a hard time surviving. Um, and um, yeah, like I said, thankfully, we haven't had that problem. Um, so that's just on a on a general ongoing level. The stability of Ahoy is a real relief.
0: It's, it's also been an interesting time, I feel like, for for humor publications in general. Uh, these past five years, you know, uh, Mad Magazine stopped publishing new content in 2019. Uh, the Nib where, where Justice Warriors Matt Boris came from, they shut down yeah. this summer. And I was thinking about that. And, and you know, Matt and I, as I guess two representatives of the generation, that grew up on like Peanuts and Calvin and Hobbes and Farside cartoons slash T-shirts and page a day calendars. It, it makes me wonder if the retirement of those those people uh created a void in smart humor cartooning that never got filled and when it did it was by stuff like south park and family guy so it's it's harder to cultivate an audience you know for the good stuff now
1: well i think it's the i think sometimes the it's the form that's being rejected or neglected not the content You know, it's like people, people don't want the newspaper, but they still want the news. And um, I think something like mad might be the victim of that. I mean, you just. uh, um, And, you know, you could make a case that they stopped printing new material in like 1966. (laughs) 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 But I love mad. But. uh, It really was kind of a lot of, of the same stuff over and over.
2: Well Matt had a Matt had yes, Matt had a staff that uh, that stayed with it for a very long time. And very I, long time. when they tried to work new blood in, they didn't quite, they never quite pulled it off. Like there were um there were some interesting experiments. I liked Peter Cooper's Spy versus Spy, but Yeah. It, I was it,
1: excited it, when Bill Morrison took the magazine over, but mm. I think they just didn't I don't know. I, I, I guess they didn't get immediate good results.
2: Well, magazines are tough right now. Magazines
1: are really tough. And like I say, it's not the content. Sometimes it's the form.
2: Yeah. And, and when you're talking about, actually, when you're talking about uh, Calvin and Hobbes and the far side, um, newspaper strips are, are are an even more degraded form now than they were like, there's some great stuff being done, but it has to be, um, it has to be crammed into these tiny, tiny spaces. Um, And the, uh, I was just actually talking to someone who, who does a legacy strip and, and the, uh, the newspaper chains are cutting way back on them too. So, um, so that's a, that's a, I think that's a tougher, I think it's a tougher place to get noticed than it used to be just because of the restrictions. Yeah. And there've always been editorial restrictions as well because newspapers don't want, uh, don't want the comic strips offending their readers, um, which we don't worry about too much.
1: (laughs) we can't figure out how to offend our readers
2: <laughs> second coming we tried
1: we tried it didn't work didn't work we get letters from christians going i love this book <laughs> we really did it
3: was yeah a- we got months. letters from it was like- really <laughs>
1: disappointing
3: <laughs> don't you people know we're trying to make you angry
1: <laughs> we got a lot of letters the first year from people going i really came in expecting to hate this book and it's and I am so not insulted. <laughs> it's so good.
3: And correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't that originally going to come out through Vertigo and Warner, like, like touch the stove on that? No, anymore? it wasn't.
1: They, It, it wasn't that and nobody did a bad thing. It was really, they, Mark Russell was right. And Mark and the people at DC working with him, they just sort of came to the realization that he wasn't going to be able to do everything he wants to do there because, uh, the company's more visible. It's more, it has more, uh, it, it's a little lower in the corporate structure than, than it might be. And they might not have, they just might not have the freedom to do it. Everything, you know, and they, neither side wanted a deal where they're going to come at him every month with a whole bunch of changes. So they were really encouraging. And when, when, uh, Second Coming came came over to Ahoy. They were extremely helpful and kind to us in terms of sharing files and logos and all this stuff. And and, uh, and Mark still writes for them. So so it was it wasn't the big it wasn't the big conflict that you would expect. And Second Coming wasn't the comic you would expect. You would expect a a comic about Jesus and a superhero being roommates to be like some big put down of Jesus, which everybody thought it was. And it is quite the opposite, What's this beautiful meditation on on um, power and its uses. And is uh, it, it, the superhero's ability to punch through things, does it really solve anything? And, uh, and, and Christ's ability to get his word out, does that solve anything if people just twist it to their own ends? And it's really good.
2: Yeah, and that's where the friendship between the two characters works so well because neither of them is right all the time, and they are an influence on each other sometimes. Um, yeah. but they have their different points of view. The um the third volume of um Second Coming, which just came out in trade paperback, um, Trinity, is wild. Um, and so people who've read the first two, I or or if you haven't read them, it's time to catch up because. Um, the third volume I got about halfway through it and I was reading the issues as they came in. And there's just stunning shocks, very upsetting shocks in some way, in in some ways, most of them have to do with Sunstar, the superhero character and his, um, his past and decisions he's made and, and things that have been done to him. Um, so it's, um, it's, it's quite, it's quite something. It's, the whole thing just sort of like halfway through issue three, I felt like Mark just stepped on the gas a little bit and, uh, And uh, he just he just took it up to another level. He sure did. He sure did.
0: What's been the biggest victory over the past five years?
2: Huh?
1: Biggest victory over the past. Well, we were very happy to. We didn't know we were going to get Second Coming. Um, We were very happy to get that, and we I sweated it. They were like. Three weeks when we didn't know what publisher was going to get it. And I really we really wanted it to be us. And it was a real stomachache. Yeah, we were
2: all hands on deck for that one, too. Like we um, we were uh, I was talking to Diamond saying, how long can you hold the solicitations? Because we don't have this book yet. But, uh, you know, and I I remember saying to our rep, I can't tell you what it is, but you've been reading the comics news, right? And she's like, oh, yeah, (laughs) she knew right away. (laughs) It was really funny.
1: So that was we really celebrated when we got that one. And then um, our relationship with Mark led to uh, Justice Warriors with Matt Boris and, and Ben Clarkson, which was which was big for us, I think. And I was going to
2: mention like Justice. I was going to mention Justice Warriors, which is um, has turned into a real uh, good seller for us, mostly through the um, the bookstore market. Um, more than more than the comic shop market, the serialization was moderate. Um, but it, uh, but the trade paperback, we, we're having trouble keeping it in stock with Simon and Schuster that, um, it's just selling and selling. And a lot of that's down to Matt himself. He, he has a good apparatus for promotion and and books and Ben Clarkson. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's been a, that's been a really pleasant surprise the way all of that's worked.
0: Kind of a similar question, but what's been the most surprising yes you've gotten from a creator? Yes.
1: Most surprising, yes. Gene Ha, will you do these covers for us? <laughs> that was pretty good. Turns out he really loves the Wrong Earth, which was a big surprise to me. And he's even like sent me unsolicited emails with story ideas and stuff. He really likes it, <laughs> which I'm very proud of.
2: I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a tease for that one, which is not it's not from a creator, but we have a uh, we do have, we are talking about we are working up a licensed property, our first one. And the yes on that was a nice surprise. That, that was a uh, hugely nice surprise. Yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Also Sergio Aragonis, can you do a cover for us? That yes. was a wonderful thing for me.
2: Nelson, yeah. yeah. That was a beautiful cover too. Beautiful uh, cover. Ah, well, that's exciting.
0: Uh, who is the unsung hero of the Ahoy office? Is there someone besides yourselves in the bullpen who's very much the motor oil that keeps things running
1: well i would i'd give Stuart part of that also darren bennett
2: darren bennett i was going to say production director and david hyde who does Uh, they're the two names darren uh darren is darren's amazing he um he's mostly known as a letterer in the industry but he handles um ahoy's uh uh production manufacturing production um and he's why well, we uh, we have a really great little team like uh, at every stage like Rob Steen who does most of the lettering also does um, uh, file prep um, hands it off to Darren and they're two guys who <laughs> they've just known each other forever they both worked at Tokyo Pop together um, and they they just have the, they just worked out this workflow and it just all it just all happens if uh, if Tom and I had to do that we'd be we'd never put out another comic again like it, it just wouldn't happen you know <laughs>
0: something i forgot to ask about uh partially naked came the came the corpse is there has there been any talk about like how that would whether that would be collected separately or as its own you know volume or anything like that
2: i would like to um i don't think we've really we haven't really discussed it much i i think it would make a nice little um not very expensive kickstarter or something like that um but what i'd like to do with it is uh design the hell out of it and make it uh Make it almost like an art book because John Proctor did all these like crazy illustrations for it that I think would look good at larger size. Um, but uh, I'd like it to be just sort of a pretty. It's 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 not a graphic novel, but I I'd, I'd love it to look like a sort of an illustrated because it's a it's also I think it's about twenty thousand words, so it's not um it's not a novel. It's not long enough for that. Um, but it could be a nice um a nice designed up little book of some kind. I think. Yeah
1: it really could be i don't i'm not sure i guess in the right situation if it were a kickstarter or or even some kind of an extra or something i don't know
2: yeah i don't know like it's a it's such a it's such an odd publishing project we'd have to really figure out how to do it and uh, yeah. we haven't we haven't quite done that yet but i'd love to see it collected i think it would uh, i think it would read well that way actually i would too, too. Yeah. It, and on the
1: cover be. it should just say grant morrison <laughs> <laughs> And some
2: others, Grant's, Grant, and his pals.
3: Are, are you? Think, I mean, when you said something, maybe in the that European album size, like oversized, like that.
2: That's what I'm envisioning, but I don't know. Like, I, I'm just, uh, I, I'm just thinking what I would like. I don't know if I, I don't know if it would sell. I'd, we'd have to, we'd have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: What, what's been the flow sort of of the the prose piece pitches coming into the ahoy offices like especially in the beginning is it something that sort of ebbed and flowed over time was it something you've had to like-
1: over time and it, sometimes our our submissions are open and sometimes we close them because we have enough for a while but um uh they we should probably uh goose goose it a little bit again soon because i think i think it's down to a slow pace right now but we get stories coming in and some of them the the ones you see i think are awfully good
2: i love writing them they're um i've I've written maybe five or six over the years and uh they're um they're just a great way to sort of try out a small idea or a a prose style like you can you can you can try out a voice um it's a um, I love that kind of flash fiction. It's just fun to write. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, do either of you have a favorite one apart from Partially Naked that you know from over the past few years?
1: Oh, a lot of them. I'm trying to think. Just I can talk in general terms. It was great to get Carol Lay involved. She's a, gr- she's a great cartoonist, and uh, she's got all these just wonderful ideas. And she writes so well, and she illustrates her own story. And it's it's really I'm just so glad we got her involved.
2: Carol, Carol wrote her installment of uh, "Partially Naked Came the Corpse" in 36 hours. Like I said, her the whole thing, like everyone else's, and she had a bunch to read <laughs> before she could she could get move on to hers. And she wrote it really fast. I think she she said she had just come from a house move, and she was really happy to be doing something that didn't involve boxes and packing tape. <laughs> um but uh but it was brilliant and it was it was really dense too it had a lot of ideas it had a lot going on it, it
1: you know Stuart a- last last week i sent her a story to illustrate and i got the illustration like that night
2: Hmm.
1: i think we need to send her more work
2: Can yeah we-, we should we be worried about her <laughs>
1: so
2: i think i think we just caught her at good times yeah <laughs> yeah i love those uh first stories grant wrote too the um they, they were they were there were all three, three stories. And they were all different from each other and they appeared in the first three books. Um, there was a, Oh, there was one other one. I was thinking, I, I'm very partial to, um, to Keck's stories. Um, but because they he's into all the same kind of crazy, obscure science fiction stuff that I am. Um, and, uh, and I, I think he's just, he's just really funny. I don't know. He, he takes it and just like completely takes the piss out of all of it.
1: It's, I, I uh, love, uh, i love being able to assign illustrations to to people like uh, uh rick geary to rest, does them for us i mean yeah. I, I, I worship rick geary and he's amazing
2: um we got i think one i think i brought him in i think i had worked with him a couple times before i brought him into marvel comics too that was uh, just he drew a two two-page lockjaw story that i wrote um a wordless <laughs> lockjaw story and that was that was just crazy i love to draw black <laughs> that's, 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 <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: and we got peter Bag. yeah so that was really great and uh i know there are others i'll stop
2: there's some newer people i mean there's a I, I don't know where amy lee sullivan came from but her stuff is beautiful like beautiful. it's a it's absolutely a, it, and it's very different it's a very illustrative work um, yeah yeah really nice
0: After all this time, has anything changed about what makes an Ahoy book?
1: I think, no, uh, not fundamentally. I think it's broadened a bit, like uh, bringing Sarah in. She's got maybe slightly different art taste from mine. and um, uh, Sort of different things have come in. But in terms of, you know, larger than life, funny on some level, smart, unique, you know, all those things, I think, are intact from the beginning.
0: Where do you, where do you see Ahoy Comics in five years? What's the, what's the next world to conquer? I'm, we're going to have a skyscraper, and it's going to have a huge marble lobby.
1: And in the middle of the lobby, it's going to be a giant statue of me holding up the world. That's what I see.
2: This will be in the middle of the devastation that was human civilization.
1: <laughs> it just be one well, yeah, skyscraper, <laughs> rising up. I didn't want to tell him that part. <laughs> you
0: blew it
2: up! <laughs> you madman. Damn you, just- Pyre. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, j- joking aside, what... And, and, and all acid chips and business dogs aside of course you know what 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 else what can we look forward to uh, from ahoy in the near future uh oh, well we have we have some things nailed down that we haven't announced
1: and uh, we're not going to announce them here but we've got some creators here that you know and love that we haven't worked with before and uh, we've got the uh, licensed property that Stuart hinted at and uh, i think it's i don't know there's stuff to be excited about in the coming year i think That's That's excellent.
2: excellent yeah that uh, about sounds like we, there's a lot of stuff we there's a lot of we're we're at an we're at an odd part in the cycle where we don't we don't tend to launch a lot of stuff right at the end of the year so um so we don't have we have a lot of stuff that isn't announced yet um <laughs> but yeah we have a we have probably two big books in um one book by uh a, a pretty big name writer who we haven't worked with before and that licensed property, um, that, uh, that Tom mentioned project cryptid is, um, uh, continuing past its original six issues. We're going to keep that around. Um, that's doing nicely. And, uh, Sarah had a nice, um, has a, has a great sort of, uh, she has enough material, um, that, uh, that, um, we're going to, we're going to keep that around for a while. I'm not sure exactly how long yet.
0: So, Tom, this question comes to you specifically from Will Nevin. What are three moves the Yankees should make this offseason to position the team for success in 2024 and beyond? I've been thinking about this a lot. And um,
1: I think there's really only one move that they, that they need to make. And that is find another sport to play, a completely different <laughs> sport, because they're failing at this one. And they should walk away from it, maybe pickleball. I don't know cornhole. Just find something and do it because they they suck at this. All right. <laughs> uh,
0: I tried
2: to answer on Twitter, but uh, but I, I I I don't know. Nobody nobody liked my answer.
0: <laughs> no, see, I feel like I feel like slam dunking the puck. Uh learn how
2: work. to the puck better. You know, if you can't <laughs> dunk the puck, I don't know what you're doing playing. Um, whatever sport they play, I I, I just don't I, I don't would see say it. They
1: slam dunk the puck,
2: Stuart. <laughs> well, not well enough. You know they need to they need to get better, and they would not need to work on their touchbacks. That was the other thing it said. Yeah, that. yes.
1: Oh, your touchbacks suck. Okay, like, you know, <laughs>
2: we New Yorkers have no patience for that.
1: <laughs> At the end
2: of the day, it's all about the fundamentals. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah and you you are uh, you are asking the right people though if you, if you have a sports question because uh uh tom and hart seeley our publisher are both uh, massive yankees fans and have uh, have written on the subject and as by well.
1: massive fans of the yankees that means we hate them more than anyone <laughs>
3: <laughs> you work in comic books if there's anything we know about comic book related people is that hate runs even hotter than love in this industry.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, but it's so delicious.
0: <laughs> that said, that. If, if there's a greater pit it's of, the- of uh, pro-sports self-loathing, <laughs> we live in a Philadelphia
3: sports market. So. Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah. There yeah. I, I live right across the bridge. Sorry. <laughs> and, one of my, 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 partner lives within earshot of the stadium. It is. Oh, wow. yeah.
1: yeah. I always have My favorite Yankee, Bryce Harper. <laughs> I think he's the, one of the
0: best Yankees playing today. Can't argue that. Um, speaking of things that, that, that draw your ire, uh, when when will you and John Layman bury the hatchet? I was
1: afraid you were going to bring up that guy. <laughs> I don't really want to hear about him. He's, uh, I, the, you know, I invited him over to Blue Sky. I'm like, come over to Blue Sky and we'll just like, uh, you know, call each other names and stuff. And he didn't want to. I don't know why he's i guess he loves elon musk he's still at twitter i think he just really loves elon musk <laughs> which i think is terrible because you know he's so Elon musk is so full of hate but john loves him for some reason okay we gotta yes. get john to listen to this <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll poke him with it <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um one thing, I'll, one thing I wanted to ask before we cool down uh, that I was curious about is, is Ahoy has at least one uh, notorious letter hack in Vinny Belizia of Collingswood, New Jersey. I'm <laughs> so glad you asked about Vinny. How did this How did this man, who probably lives about 10 minutes from Matt, if that, if that. Co- come to dominate your letter columns? I love that. Well, he writes letters.
1: Nobody else does. <laughs> 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 he therefore dominates the letter column. I love. We got one of our first letters from him. And it was um, one line. It's, it was the first letter he ever wrote to us. He said, you had me at page numbers. And then mm-hmm. I knew that this was a kindred spirit because I'm really big on page numbers. Mm-hmm. Because so many comics don't have them now. And I don't know how you talk about a comic book that doesn't have page numbers. You can't say panel 10, you know, page page ten, panel three, has this great, you know, picture of black bull. Because how do you identify the page? You 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 guys must know the answer to this. You talk about comics. What do you do? Best
0: best educated guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, the,
1: uh, the the page where they're talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, not that page where they're talking. The other page where they're talking. <laughs>
2: Then he wrote a letter um, to one of the early Captain Gingers, I think it was. And he was uh, he wanted to point out to me that uh, there were a couple pages that didn't have page numbers on them. And I had to reply that that was because the page number would have been right on a character's tongue or uh, or yep. no. Yeah, <laughs> I had <laughs> to. Always... I had to. Um. So I made it. I made a decision <laughs> to remove them in a few cases. I don't think this was acceptable to him. I think he uh I, I think he thought the page numbers should be everywhere, which it
1: you can argue, you know. Right. He see. was always pointing those out to me too and I, there were always places where you shouldn't have a page number. And and obviously you could just look at the number of the page across from it and figure out the context. But so I would I would get short with him about it and he stopped doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but always a pleasure to hear from Fanny because yeah. He's the only one we hear from. Uh, we were, he, we, were no. we were
2: getting those really surreal letters for a while too from that guy. I can't I can't remember his name. That other guy. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Those are they were fun. They were really fun. He would just make up little stories um, yeah, that yeah, yeah. be related to our our, our comics. Um, Shane was that his name? I can't remember his name. But uh, no, Reed 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 Beebe um, Reed Beebe. Yes. Yeah. yeah they he was were great.
1: Terrific. He sold us a story in the back and then we never heard from him again. I guess he'd graduated from letter writing.
0: (laughs) Uh, Onto the big time.
1: (laughs) But he used to, he was the I think he was the first person we ever heard from, and he would write about every issue. And he would make up a little pulp uh, prose story paragraph and apply it to the Ahoy
0: comic he just read.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. They were wonderful. Any upcoming uh, conventions, signings, appearances over the next little bit?
1: Well, it's kind of a quiet time, isn't
2: it? Yeah, I I uh, I don't know the schedule. Um, Darren Bennett um, does uh, he does some convention he does several conventions a year with an Ahoy table um, and he hand sells the books and, uh, and and whoever's around he he hosts. Um, but I'm not sure when the next one is. Um, <clears throat> he's um, He's based in South Jersey, but he gets, he gets around the area quite a bit. Um, I'm not sure what my next one will be. I'd like to make it to Emerald city, but I'm not sure yet. Um, I, uh, I did, um, I did New York con in that lazy way. You can, when you're a local where you go to the con for an hour or two a day and then go out to go out at night, (laughs) basically, which is what I, which was a lot of fun. Um, that was a, that was a good show for that, um, But uh, but I did that and I did San Diego this year. And uh, that's, uh, I I, I haven't, I'm not very good at making plans. I usually just try and figure it out and see if it all comes together.
3: Um, Penultimate question. Uh, What are you reading right now? Comic wise, you mean? Comics, prose, whatever you're, you're want to share.
2: I just finished, um, well, I finished, I mentioned that book, Dr. No, but I also just finished um, a collection of stories by Kelly Link um, called uh, uh, White Cat, Black Dog. I was thought I was going to get that backwards, but, um, and it's incredible. It's, they're all um, uh, fairy tale, they're all modern retellings of fairy tales, but they're, um, they're funny and they're strange and they just go in the weirdest directions. Um, uh, so that was a, uh, that was really something. It seems to me I just read a really good comic, but now I can't remember what it was. Um, I've been doing a little bit of a dive into late Jack Kirby, which is um, mm. which is crazy stuff. I reread Silver Star, which oh God that I, I, I don't even know what it was. like I it know. was kind of wonderful like, but uh, really <laughs> bizarre.
1: I know it's like it's really like watching. I don't know. <laughs> i don't know it's like watching grandpa try to eat without making a mess or something
2: that's <laughs> oh, <goodness>, horrible. <laughs> the silver star also like it, it kind of i think it's based on a 1970s uh screenplay that he wrote with steve sherman and it starts off like the first two issues are are, are um even for kirby the writing is very strange like it's very it's very ambitious and philosophical and weird as shit um sounds like it, late stage Kirby yeah <laughs> but then it kind of then the then that was about when his artwork started to deteriorate right after that so like so then it gets a little harder to read but it's also like he backs up spends a lot of time on this villain relative ever really zeroing in on him like the, the pacing just gets really just gets really strange I um uh, <laughs> by the end of it I was like <laughs> what what was that but I love this I, I love reading it like I just love the experience of it it's just yeah it's, yeah. i'm with here. you i hear you on that god
1: i just got um a book i'd been wanting uh for a while and i found an affordable copy it was sandman the uh kirby simon sandman from the 1940s dc did a collection in um uh i guess 2010 or so and uh boy those stories are fun there's just they're just like Total Batman and Robin ripoff. It's like a man and a boy putting on suits and going to fight crime. But then it's got all this Joe Simon madness in there about dreams and and people losing their minds. Uh, and then all this, every, all this Kirby action, you know, why just stand there when you can leap over a table, you know. <laughs> it's beautiful stuff. I just love it. I really love it.
2: I just read. I, I don't know what else I just read. I I, uh, I read there was a new Daniel Klaus book coming out, so I decided to finally read the last one. Um, Patience is just um, a uh, it, it it's an it's a time travel story. It just goes in all kinds of wild directions. Like I I uh, I, I highly recommend it from the um, from the big companies this year. My favorite thing by far was the Human Target, um, mm. mm-hmm. which uh, I just no one writes. Um, no one writes sexy thrillers in comics anymore. And just the um the relationship between um uh, the human target Christopher Chance and Ice in that it just keeps going around and around and around. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's wonderful stuff. Tom King and oh, I'm blanking on the artist name. He's really good.
3: Oh, Greg Smallwood. Smallwood.
2: Greg Smallwood. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, uh, Stuart, this has been a fantastic time. And Tom, uh, final question as we release you back into the world. How can people keep up with uh, Ahoy Comics, follow them online and, and everything else that you have going on?
2: Uh, yeah, Tom, I think Tom lost his connection. So I'll, I, I can feel that um, uh, Ahoy is on uh, it's on uh, Twitter at uh, Ahoy Comic Mags on um, Instagram at Ahoy Comics. And just to be confusing, I guess, on Facebook at Comics Ahoy. Um, we also have, uh, the website, um, comicsahoy.com, which I really should update one of these days. Um, but, uh, but that, uh, that has a full list of our, uh, of the, the company's, um, publications and you can see what's, what's coming up there as well. Um, that's probably, that's probably, we all, Oh, there's also, um, there is an Ahoy monthly newsletter, which is a lot of fun. Um, it's, uh, written by Hannah Behedri, who's, um, always funny and, uh, and covers the, um, not just avoid, mm-hmm. but the, the comics world really nicely. Um, and that, um, that you can sign up for, um, I think on the website, uh, there's a, we periodically, mm-hmm. um, I think we just pitched it on the, um, on, uh, on the Twitter feed as well. So there, there's a, there's a, there should be a link right there for that.
0: Excellent. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show
2: uh yeah thank you and uh, i just got a text from tom saying i got kicked off and can't come back my internet is acting up my apologies to the guys um so yeah it was great to be here thank you very much for having us <laughs> you're welcome
0: that's it for this week's show as a reminder wm is part of comics xf where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcasts battle of the atom and bat chat with matt and will a batman ranking podcast co-hosted by matt lazowitz and will nevin you can listen to wmqna on apple podcasts soundcloud amazon music audible and at comicsxf.com where new episodes move tuesday mornings you can support WMQA at patreon.com slash where a dollar donation gets you a shout out at the end of every episode a two dollar donation gets you early access to wmqna and a shout out at the end of every episode a three dollar donation gets you a sticker early access and a shout out a $5 donation gets you access to our monthly bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the comic appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom. A $25 donation lets you request a primer, one of our custom reading guides for a series, character, or creator at Comics XF. and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Lisa Slack, Will Redman, Tobias Carroll, Natalie Jordan, Mike Sagawa. Will Nevin, Liz Large, Asimov Fangirl, Carla Pacheco, and Robert Secundus. You're all special, and we love you. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at WMQ Comics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. You can also follow ComicsXF on Facebook, Instagram, and Blue Sky. And until next week, remember, Rob Liefeld's greatest contribution to comics isn't Deadpool or Youngblood or even Major X. It's his impression of Todd
1: McFarlane.